0: and welcome to episode one, two, three of the personal arrogance podcast recorded on 12 12 12 holy and brought sh- to you by the bald
1: move network bald move baby 12 12 um, 12 holy shit on one, two, three.
0: yeah it is it is kind of funny that it 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 just panned out that way but here's the thing about mm-hmm. 12 12 12 it's yep. not really 12 12 12 it's 12 12 2012
1: well here's the other thing about 12 12 12 every day is the only date that that date will be there during your lifetime <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, like tomorrow, I w- i really want to post, like, in, in like on like February eighteenth. It's two eighteen twelve. This is the only time this will happen during my lifetime. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Anyway, uh,
0: I am your host, Jesse Wilson. Um, I—I I predicted the end of the world would happen today, and I'm disappointed.
1: Hey, you still got a couple hours, baby. Um, with me, my co-host is Eric. J.S. Walquist, how's it going, J-Dog?
0: I'm doing well. Um Yeah, I, I managed managed to sneak out for dinner with oh, the baby. All and right. she was well-behaved, so that was a pleasant treat. Did the baby eat? The baby only eats milk, so <sighs> it did not eat anything at the restaurant.
1: I am, like, convinced that humans are only supposed to eat milk. <laughs> and that every disease is the result of us eating things other than milk. <laughs> This wow. sounds like, this sounds like a strange cult concept, doesn't it?
0: You're, uh, like, lecheopathic or something. I am
1: lecheopathic, actually.
0: Yeah. I'm well, certified. You should join La Leche League. <laughs> they would love a go getter like you. <laughs> Absolutely. Real thing, by the way. La Leche League. What is it? Uh, that's like, breastfeeding advocacy group. Oh.
1: Yeah. I'm all for boobs in public, dude. Like, if people go to, The beach, and they have to see my nipples? (laughs) Like, nobody's like, oh my god, look at that guy's nipples. Yeah. Nipples are nipples, people. Let's just uh, put this on the table. Plus, their nipples being used for their intended purpose. Exactly. It's like the only thing. Like, for me, it's actually weirder, because I don't have a purpose for these things. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I have no purpose for nipples. Like, that's actually, that's like seeing a car driving down the street and be like, I can't look at that. I can't look at it. <laughs> uh,
0: but then seeing a car parked in a garage yeah. and being
1: like, "Now that is a
0: that is a vehicle." That's okay. <laughs> that's, that's okay. Yeah.
1: Well, I guess I guess some people are, are like that. anyway.
0: So how, how's your week been?
1: Uh, week's been good. Uh, first nice.
0: full week of uh marriage.
1: Yeah, first full week of marriage. Um, pretty legitimate. Yeah. I'd say gonna
0: stick with it. You think? Or
1: I think we're gonna stick it out.
0: <laughs> now, okay, so you got married. Right before the uh, gay marriage became legal in the state, right five days. How before. do you now feel about the sanctity of your
1: your uh, union? It's a real uh, little. It's a little bit of a real concern for me right now because we have the marriage license signed and mm-hmm. it's all ready to go, but I got to go to the courthouse to turn it in, and like I know that the courthouse is going to be flooded with people. Like yeah. when we went to pick up the license, not a problem. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing that this is happening. I'm just saying it's a, it's a minor inconvenience in my life.
0: That courthouse is going to be absolutely flooded with happy couples. Ah, God. How horrible. Uh, Yeah. Why can't it just be flooded with, uh, I don't know, vagrants as usual?
1: (laughs) There were some interesting smells when we went down there to pick up the, uh, the old wedding license. (laughs) But anyway, uh, no, well, wedding, uh, marriage is great. Um, and that's all I have to say about it. There Welcome you go. To married Life. Um, so, Jesse, uh, I want to get right into the uh, Dedo for this show. Right. Let's do it. I think Dedo <clears throat> for this show has got to be MVP at Life, Jordy Hoyt. Mm-hmm. Good friend, Jordy Hoyt. He's a friend of the cast, friend of our lives. Friend of our wives. Friend of my wife. Uh, but days t- of our lives. Days of our lives. Uh, he... Came by, he, he call, gave me a call right as I was pulling into my driveway today. Gave me a call, said, "Hey man, I got some beer-related stuff. Can I swing by your house?" I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> and him and Jill come over, and they bring me not only the Vertical Epic, which is done by Stone Brewing Company, uh, uh, not only the Vertical Epic for twelve, 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 12 which was released today and should be yeah. today. He brought me the Vertical Epic from eleven, eleven, eleven as well. Nice. He had this thing in his back pocket for a year. He came by, dropped it off. Uh, for those of you who don't know, this, these are a series of beers that Stone has done. Now the series is done, but they released one on two two two, three three three, four four four, five five five, six six six, seven seven seven. You get the idea. Uh, and apparently, all these beers were supposed to be drank today. They're supposed to be drank on twelve twelve twelve. They were supposed to be perfectly aged over that time that you're supposed to drink them on twelve twelve twelve. So he not only brought me the 12-12-12, which you're supposed to drink today, he brought me a, a year-old aged beer to drink on the podcast. So that's what I'm drinking this week. Once again, solidifying why he's the MVP at life, I have to give it to Jordy Hoyt. Jordy, you're my hero. Jeez. He's like Beer Jesus. He is Beer Jesus. He turns wine into beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jesus'
0: first miracle, water into wine. Jesus' uh, second and more important miracle, wine into beer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking this week, buddy? Um I'm actually I'm enjoying a good cup of joe. Well there you go. Yeah. Um I I took a nap. Mm-hmm. Um need a little pick me up. Yep. As you can tell. Yep. I guess. And uh yeah, nothing beats it. Actually I'm drinking the half calf. Oh, the half calf This is my new thing.
1: So is it is it a so it's a f it's a regular cup of joe, but it's half calf, half decaf?
0: Yeah, I guess so. It's just half strength
1: caffeination. I yeah. love it. See, I do the half calf, uh like cappuccino, or the half oh, calf yeah? latte. Mm. So it's two shots. You get the flavor of two shots, but you only get the caffeine of one shot. That makes sense. It's it, it's a good idea. I get a little jittery. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <me> too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, I I want to get right into um, some listener feedback this week because we got it in droves, and uh, we're very excited. Uh, I also want to thank everybody for the wedding well wishes. Uh, it's always greatly appreciated. And thank you so much for that. (laughs) Um, but I want to get to a couple of things. Um, so, uh, Roger Salcedo from right here in Seattle, Washington, sent us a story about Halo four. This goes back a couple episodes. Uh, it goes back to episode one twenty two. Um, while I don't agree that the Halo four story fell flat for a lot of people, you included, I believe it's because there's a lot of backslash side story. I think it's due to not reading the Forerunner books by Greg Bear. There's a bunch of Forerunner stuff going on the game that I think was supposed to get, uh, that I think I was supposed to get while playing, but only am starting to fathom after getting some of the terminals. So, anyway, I guess there's a bunch of stuff in this game that, that has to do with this, with the Forerunner books. Um...
0: Yeah, I just yeah. feel like
1: you shouldn't. You shouldn't have to. You read shouldn't a book. have to. Let's just say, if you're playing a video game, let's let's keep the book reading out of it. <laughs>
0: yeah, thank you. <laughs> I don't need to do a bunch of homework in order to enjoy a video game about <laughs> shooting bugs in the face, essentially.
1: Well, I mean, and I, I you got to give them a little bit of credit because I mean, a lot of people buy Halo for the multiplayer experience, so they're mm-hmm. trying to create a rich single player experience. They're trying to create a rich campaign experience maybe this isn't the right way to do it.
0: Yeah, well, I think also there I think more will be explained in the next uh installment. It's their first time 343 doing this and the, the, I think they wanted to make a big splash as it were.
1: Yeah. And and that's understandable. Um make put their own mark on the spe- series. But I think just introducing a new villain type will do that. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like- we We've been shooting the covenant for like ten years yeah, now. It's covenant flood. That's all. The, that's the only enemy that's ever been there. So <laughs> yeah. give us another one. That's that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um. I also really want to get to this Roger Dotsy. This is connected Dotsy for this week. Roger, we love you. He writes mm-hmm. these like great emails. They're super long, and then he apologizes at the end of all of them for being too long. <laughs> no, and, uh, that's cute. Roger. I, we love you. Thank you for writing all these. We do read them all. Um. But this is the this is the gem for this week. And last week we were talking about miniseries. He says this is hopefully an exciting idea for a miniseries. Santa Claus biopic, a gritty, realistic HBO showcase of the life of St. Nick, much in the style of, say, John Adams. It would begin airing early November and air its final episode Christmas Eve. Before you scoff, think about the possibilities. I haven't scoffed yet, Roger. They could explore the mythology in a way that is never seen before, showing what it would Really look like to be the guy, and how he came to be. Not convinced. Here's an episode breakdown. Here it is: eight episodes. Episode one: Life and Death of Nip- Nicholas. Two: Rise and Finding Himself as an Immortal Magical Entity. I already love this. <laughs> Santa Claus is a dead guy. It's, you have the resurrection story, but it's right off the bat, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, episode three: Chronicle of Hundreds of Years of Service, Forging Relationships, Different Time Periods, Evolution. I think you got to put in there like growing pains, like or <laughs> you know, like figuring out what his skills are. He, he's got to have, like, some kind of inherent naughty nice mechanic. You know, kind of like the dude from uh, from Unbreakable, where he can, like, touch people and then, like, see mm. what they've done wrong or what they've done Or, like, a right. Terminator. Yeah. One of those. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> episode four happens to help a gentleman named Ebenezer Scrooge. Spoiler alert, Santa is a ghost Christmas present. Love it. Episode five: Soldiers in the North Pole builds workshop shop recruits elves. I like the idea of elves like being there, and then and then he like unifies them in an elf war, an elven war, mm-hmm. and he's like Tolkien esque elves. Legolas, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, recruits elves find reindeer, finds reindeer, meets future wife, probably an elf because they're very beautiful. Uh, Episode 6, Marriage Gets in the Marketing. Coke revamps his image. Salvation Army Department Store Santa's. Episode 7, Trials and Tribulation of Increasingly Selfish and Narcissistic Child Population. Santa can't find a nice kid. How's that? And then episode 8, Just One Night. (laughs) The Christmas of the Year it airs. So, I love this. Thank you, Roger, for sending us this. This is exactly what we're looking for. We're looking for listener feedback. And we love you, Raj. Yeah, thank you, Dotsie. Thank you, Dotsie. Uh, and then I also want to get to a voicemail. Um, so this is an interesting voicemail. It's from the 253. Uh, for those who don't know the 253, that's the Tacoma area, the, uh, the namesake of the uh, light like pickup from Toyota. Um, <laughs> and I think, Jesse, I think that uh, this person, you know, a while back, I don't remember the episode, but we were talking about, uh, we were talking about these deep-sea noises that are completely unexplained. Right. And I think that this person has uncovered one as well. So let's go ahead and play it. <laughs>
2: critical hit. All right. It's legal
1: now. Hmm. It's, it's the thing at the end that really, really makes me, uh, interesting because it says critical hit. It's okay. It's legal now. Uh, yeah, I thought that chocolate
0: milk had always been legal. I thought I, I thought it did too. You, you got some chocolate milk. You
1: gotta blow in the straw till the till it bubbles over dude. yeah, exactly. otherwise you're not doing it right. <laughs> no, I think I, I actually think you know obviously this guy's celebrating the legalization America of, of marijuana in Washington state
0: right. And, it's legal legal to own right, but um illegal to get. It's like if prohibition had right. been repealed, but it was still illegal to homebrew. Breweries were illegal. there were no bars, no liquor stores, <laughs> and you couldn't buy alcohol in the <laughs> right grocery market. You just got to stay it around and you're like
1: can, can i uh can,
0: can I take? can it? I get some? Can I have that You better not give it to him
1: <laughs> you better not well, apparently there will be rules in place uh for for procuring uh for procuring marijuana yeah uh, they gave him a year to figure it out yeah. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Uh, there was a post on Reddit today that was like, what's it like now for dealers? For dealers in Washington, Colorado, what it's, what's it like? I'm like, it's probably pretty much the same because there's no <laughs> other place you could buy marijuana other than a dealer. Uh, it's just the cops won't bust you for having it on you. So, yeah. And you can smoke it in the privacy of your own home while you're listening to the Personal Arrogance Podcast, which some yeah. of our listeners apparently are want to do. Uh, and whatever, whatever floats your boat, whatever makes you happy. Uh, yeah, for me it's beer
0: us. and coffee.
1: Yeah. Who am I to judge? Who am I to judge? <laughs> Uppers and downers, baby. And uh, for logos. And then the final one, I we gotta thank uh we gotta thank and recognize the newest member of the Bald Move family, the Because Show. Uh we are very excited to have these ladies on board because I think that we're becoming a bit of a rogues gallery. Yeah, and definitely. I think it's fine time that we class up the joint a little bit. <laughs> uh, so, uh, of course, uh, we'd like to thank uh, all of the ladies over at the uh, at the Because Show, uh, Geraldine, Susan, and Amy. Um, we really appreciate you being a part of of this Rogues Gallery, and hopefully, this <laughs> podcast network can bloom with you here now. Um, but they do a lot of stuff that we do. They just have a little bit more of the uh, like the Tina Fey, Mindy Kaling view on things. Whereas we're more of the uh, the smelly guy at the comic book store, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so we're very happy to have him on here. And actually, one of our listeners totally, totally uh, let us in on a secret about the, the Because Show. And that's before they joined the Bald Move Network. They actually talked about us on their podcast. And I don't think they ever thought that we would actually listen. But guess what? We're listening now, ladies. So that was you said that creepy. I know that I, I was trying to sound cool. Yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> uh, he always comes. Okay, well, I just want to get to the clip. So <laughs> here's the clip, and they actually I have a question for us, Jesse. So uh, let's listen in here.
3: Yeah. Okay, this is what I really want to get to. I've been waiting and waiting. Okay, okay. No, Oh just, my gosh, I got had so little... much
1: more boring stuff has... that I was not going <laughs> to make interesting to talk about.
3: <laughs> Geraldine has this Cheshire <laughs> grin on I'm not going to be face. able to talk about it. this without laughing, though. Okay. I want you, either of you, it doesn't matter who. You want to... us to kiss each other. No. <laughs> <laughs> to do okay. a crank phone call. Okay. Right now. Um, what? Juan, what's your phone number? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And I thought of the... Um, Topic. Okay. Do we have to call it's, the grocery store and ask if they it, have Prince Albert in a can? <laughs> okay. It's so juvenile. Yeah, it's so juvenile. Mm-hmm. Such like potty humor. I want you, there's another podcast that has like a call in line, just mm-hmm, like we uh-huh. have our call in line, uh, uh, but I have never interacted with them. They don't know me. Mm-hmm, they uh-huh. don't, they've never heard of our show. Okay. There's no way they can trace us, trace <laughs> us back. Okay. okay. So, um, I want somebody to call in and say, like, to have this um, absurd personal problem. Say, you know, I love eating burritos. I can't stop eating burritos, but I find that it gives me diarrhea. And it turns out that I'm always in my car driving around, and it's become a real problem. So what do you think? Should I, like, I really need your opinion because I've been a listener. They're just gonna say, "Stop eating burritos." You yeah, exactly. fucking idiot. <laughs> no, you have to. You have to sell it like I cannot stop eating burritos, and then be like, "Should I wear a diaper in my car, or should I have a porta potty in the back seat to like all <laughs> <a> the <little> kids <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> oh god! I can. But yeah, I could do it with a straight face. Oh, Amy on. could do it. I, I would, totally could do it. I would do pack it. up. I couldn't do it what if you got that phone call oh like, my god so is it just like what podcast is it just like ask us anything podcast no it's called um personal arrogance uh-huh. and these are a pair of guys and they talk about oh like sports and mm-hmm. um <laughs> board games you'd have to be a team. guy okay, i got it i got it let me call you'd i got have it. to be a guy I get, i'm getting a story in my head right now are you gonna be a guy no i'm gonna be a girl oh, be me. okay okay
1: well, um, what you're going to need to do <laughs> well okay uh, I want to I wanna get to a few things here. First of all, I love the description couple of guys yeah, they talk about sports and uh, sports and board games and stuff board games <laughs> I think we have a new I think we have a new slogan uh, mm-hmm. and then second of all, yes, we have advice for this, and we would have loved this is the other thing apparently it was a phone malfunction and then they said they were going to call, but they never called. Uh, but, uh, but it's, it, we would have really loved it and we would have taken it seriously. So let's <laughs> gi- let's give the serious advice, Jesse. What's your, what's well, your advice?
0: What you're going to need is you're going to need a drill mm-hmm. and you're going to need a two inch paddle bit mm-hmm. and just, um, you sit on, sit on your, in your car seat and then take a grease pencil <laughs> and mark, like just lean forward about a you know, six inches and mark right where your butthole is on the, on the seat. Uh-huh. And then you take the drill with the paddle bit and you just drill all the way down through the base of the car. Mm. And then um, you just, you, you can go while you go. You go while you go. I love that. That's what what, I do. It's a real time saver.
1: <laughs> it's like the red green approach. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, see, I was just thinking, I was thinking more practical angle. And this could be used for not only just diarrhea, but like nausea, heartburn, indigestion, up to the stomach, or diarrhea. If mm-hmm. you know, if you love a food. But you know that food's gonna give you an upset stomach. Give it the old Pepto Chaser. Just eat the food with the Pepto. And then you're, it's like, it's a preemptive strike against, uh, whatever ails you.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, a, a pound of, what is it? An Prevention. ounce of sweat saves a pound of diarrhea. <laughs> Something like that. I don't
1: think that's it. Also, the
0: key, the, uh. I think, I think it's an 20...
1: ounce, I think it's an ounce of diarrhea causes a pound of sweats. <laughs> Wow, this show went downhill. Yeah.
0: Um, also, the 2013 <laughs> Kia Sorento comes standard with a right. moonroof, <laughs> so you can just pop that bad boy open, uh, do a handstand, yeah. drive that way. It's got cruise control, just yeah. <laughs> lock that in, drive uh, straight road. You know, with your
1: with your your uh, your
0: bottom sticking out of the What's out the of part? the moonroof.
1: Yeah, it's a moonroof in the in the actual sense of the word, <laughs> so it goes right <laughs> over your butt. Alright, anyway anyway, they brought it up. But uh but please go listen to the Because Show. We're very happy to have them on the family. And uh and on also family. <laughs> now now we have to print call them. So if you have any ideas of a prank call that we could give to the Because Show, please hey, let us know. Hey. Give us a call at 360 362 024 write us an email. Personal arrogance at gmail.com. Guy Guy. Yeah? All right, let's <laughs> <laughs> What I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I think I just had a little bit of a stroke. What? <laughs> I think I just had a stroke. Don't worry okay. about it. Time loss is brain loss, Jesse. So we got to get this thing done quickly. Uh, right. Let's roll. Let's do a little tiny bat roll off and lightning uh, roll and, and uh, see who's going to talk first. We're each going to roll twenty sided die to see who gets to talk first on the podcast. I rolled a four. I rolled a thirteen, baby. Well, you win again. All right. Super uh, streaky. Super streaky, baby. Um. All right. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to play you a trailer. We got a lot of media on this show, which I kind of love. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to play you a trailer. Just came out. Um, it's for a movie that I've been very excited about for a long time. And, uh, and I'm going to play you the trailer, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. All right? Okay. Here we go.
2: We always thought alien life would come from the stars, but it came from deep beneath the sea, a portal between dimensions in the Pacific Ocean. Something out there had discovered us. They counted on the humans to hide, to give up. Initiating launch
1: operations. Gypsy danger.
2: They never considered our ability to stand. To endure. We would rise to the challenge. Pilots, ready to connect. Let's go fishing. Two
1: pilots engaged in neural bridge. Ready to activate
0: the
2: Yeager in three, two, one. Today, at the edge of our hope. Chosen to believe in each other.
3: Today we face the monsters that are at our door. Today we are
2: canceling the apocalypse.
1: So, that was the trailer for Pacific Rim. Wow. Just so you Inception think-
0: an infection still in full totally to swing. Totally Inception
1: infection the entire time. They got the blah right there. Monster um, movies are in, man. So there's a couple things I love about this. There's a couple things I can't, I can't even express how much I love about this. Mm-hmm. First of all, this is Guillermo del Toro's next movie. Mm. Second of all, OC baby, original content, love it. That's a good point. Although it is kind of, yeah, it's kind of uh, it draws on themes, but I mean, this is this is OC. It's so not yeah. based off a comic book. It's not based off. It's not a remake. Uh, you know, it's you know, it's it's like Attack the Block. Like Attack the Block is an alien movie, but it's right. its own thing. You know, yeah. um, so love that about it. Third thing I love about it: totally Lovecraftian.
0: Yeah, super Lovecraftian themes. A
1: portal between dimensions in the Pacific Ocean. Right at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, and I love how he talks about they says, they expected us to run, they expected us to hide, they expected us to fail. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea of the they. And, you know, this is another thing that I really loved about Cabin in the Woods, spoiler alert. At the end of that, uh, they're talking about Elder Gods. Mm. So Lovecraft is creeping his way into... I, I mean, obviously, he's been creeping his way into popular culture for quite a while now. But finally, we're starting to get some movies that have like overt references. It's not just uh, it's not just the thing, right? You know, um, yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah, and, I, and I would, I'm glad he lived to see this day. I'm glad too. <laughs> twelve, 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 baby. Um, <laughs> and you know, I, I would I would encourage everybody to get online and, and check out this trailer. Basically, what it is is they there are these monsters. And they look amazing. They look amazing in the trailer. I think that they only show one of them, but the you know obviously character creation is something that Guillermo del Toro does amazingly, and one of the things. Jesse, did you see Hellboy two? No, I didn't. In Hellboy two, there is a fight with an elemental, uh huh, and it is exactly what an elemental supposed to look like. Like it's not this thing. Like with you know with all uh, with all due respect to J.J. Abrams, all of his monsters look the same. They're like mm-hmm. this weird necklace uh, slug with arms. Uh, but Guillermo de Toro is like, I'm actually going to take these ideas that have been milling around in Geek's brains for decades and actually make them look like they're supposed to look. So like the elemental battle in Hellboy, it's like an elemental and it's like a, basically like a plant elemental. So it's mm-hmm. got like trees, it's got plants, but it's terrifying. But at the same time, it's like beautiful it's exactly mm-hmm. what an elemental should be. And, like, these are exactly what monsters should look like. Like, they, there's a little bit of Godzilla tinge in there, but, I mean, it's still Guillermo del Toro monster creation, and it's awesome. Hmm. Um, and so, basically, the, the story is that now there's these – so these monsters are coming out of the Pacific Ocean. Um, and it looks like they attack San Francisco in the trailer. Um, hopefully, Seattle gets a, nut, gets a nod. <laughs> we need a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh but basically the human response to this is to build these gargantuan robots and like robots that are the size of a skyscraper like gigantic robots and they're controlled by neural uh neural like basically telepathy very similar to like what's happening in like avatar like they can plug into these robots and then fight these giant monsters
0: uh eric what I'm pretty sure this is Neon Genesis Evangelion. What's that? This is like the exact same premise of, it's like an anime, a Japanese anime. Neon Genesis? Yeah, it's, well, it's called like Evangelion, but it was like Neon Genesis was like the subtitle or something. Hmm. That, that's like the exact plot.
1: So this may not be OC. I don't know I don't have
0: enough information but that's exactly what they did they had these big big, uh, robots and they had like pilots and the pilots were like psychically like they were inside the thing but it was like psychically controlled kind of by these young kids who were these pilots of these uh,
1: big robots that fought these crazy monsters okay so I want to play one more part of this because this is the third part of this trailer that got everybody excited but Jesse I think that it might, you might be on the something here. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to play just this section of the, of the trailer one more time. So listen up to this. Initiating launch operations. Gypsy danger. They never considered our ability. So I'm sorry. It was gypsy danger. I thought she said something about Genesis, (laughs) but whatever. It seems very similar, but did you, did you recognize that voice at all? Um, it does sound familiar. Let me play it just one more time for the uh, for the listener at home. This is a little bit of trivia for you. Let's see if you can figure out where this voice is from. Initiating launch operations. Oh, StarCraft. <laughs> it's very similar to StarCraft. It's actually, uh, it's from a video game. That's huh. actually, uh, that's actually GLaDOS from Portal.
0: Oh, okay. Because it sounded like the... Uh, Said like nuclear launch detective.
1: Yeah, it sounds exactly like that, too. Uh, <laughs> but it actually is. It's GLaDOS from Portal. Yeah. Like, that is the coolest thing. And it's, it's completely overt. Uh, and Guillermo del Toro has said in the past that he wanted to incorporate GLaDOS into his movies. And so this is an exact video game reference wow, into this movie. that's pretty cool. It's totally awesome. I want her to sing me the song. <laughs> I hope at the end of the movie it's just the song.
0: What's this? Um, what's this movie called again?
1: It's called Pacific Rim, baby. Pacific Rim. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, it is kind of interesting. She said something kind of code wordy, and it sounded very similar to what you had said, like Genesis. So there might be like a little bit of an homage to here. You know, it's like the thing where like Reservoir Dogs is actually just a rip off of a Hong Kong movie from the eighties. <laughs> I, I didn't know. know that. It is. It's kind of crazy.
0: Um, anyway. On so, ScreenRant.com, I looked it up. It says, Guillermo del Toro, Pacific Rim is not Japanese monster movie homage. <laughs> so,
1: I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we uncovered some things, but I'm very excited for this movie. I hope everybody goes to see it next summer. I think it's going to be a big hit. And uh, let's get Guillermo del Toro some budgets that he can work with people.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's, let's get him on the cast. That'll
1: that'll help. Yeah, we'll get him on the cast. Hopefully, we can throw a few she- shekels his way. Anyway, Jesse, what's your first topic this week?
0: Uh, well, for my first topic, I wanna kinda go back to something we were talking about earlier because we had been talking about Halo 4 and, um, the Crimson Map Pack for Halo 4 just came out the other day. I think yesterday. Uh huh. So, uh, three new multiplayer maps. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like review them in detail or anything. One, because I've only played them a trivial amount. Um, and two, because that would be boring. <laughs> yeah. So what I do want to say is they're all very pretty, and mm-hmm. I've been enjoying playing them. Yeah. And uh, although it does seem a little early to be asking for extra money for maps, yeah, but whatever.
1: All right, there's absolutely no way that these maps weren't completed when the game was released. Yeah, it's but the maybe they weren't. I don't know. It's the whole thing of the welcome to the world we live in. But it's it's sad. Yeah. But. I mean games yeah. have been how long have games been sixty bucks? Games have been sixty bucks for like ten years. Yeah. So I guess it's you think like
0: it'd go down or
1: No do you think it'd go up. I mean yeah. games for like Super Nintendo were, like thirty bucks. So uh you know, you think it would go up over the past decade, but games have pretty much stayed stag stagnant from a price maybe. point perspective. It- so maybe we are just being greedy when we say we shouldn't pay more for games.
0: That's a good point. And inflation has gone up.
1: Exactly. Like it should Um, be 70 bucks now, you'd think, after 10 years.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, And anyway, I'm really happy with it. But I want to ask you, uh, what are some things that make a good multiplayer map? Because we've played a lot. We've played on a lot of maps. Mm -hmm. And it really makes or breaks a game, especially like Halo. I mean, the map
1: is everything. And it's hard to make a good multiplayer map.
0: Yeah, and a lot of them suck.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, they, they put the forge together so you could give it a try. And it's really hard. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard. I've spent about 20 minutes in forge. Yeah. Oh, um,
0: so I have a couple of things that I think makes for a good map. Okay. The first one is theme. I like to actually believe that I'm there fighting for a reason. Right. And there have been some really good um, examples of this in Halo. They... Uh, they Typically do try to tell kind of like a little bit of a story with the map. Like something happened and now you're fighting as a result of that, or you're just at like some cool exotic location, so it's kind of like spacey themed where you can kinda of exit like the hull of a ship and have like less gravity and stuff like that. So yeah. I think theme is my number one. Uh huh. Well, at least it's in my top three. Yeah. I haven't that, necessarily I, f- I totally
1: forgot about that map. Was that in Reach where you had the zero gravity section?
0: Yeah, there are two of them yeah. in Reach. Yeah.
1: That was and pretty those legit. Those are always fun. Yeah.
0: Um, my second one, Eric, is strategic points. And this is something I think might be a little lacking in Halo 4. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Especially in like Team Fortress Classic or Team Fortress 2, like everything's so uh, built around these strategic points. Uh-huh. And um, I don't know. I, I love them. Yeah love a good strategic point well, because yeah. you get to shout to your friends like, we
1: need to take the bridge. <laughs> yeah. And that's just good and, fun. And I feel like Halo 4, there's a lot – like everything is so wide open that it's really hard to find those bottlenecks that you really need to control.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's just fewer
1: bottlenecks because they're – yeah, they're allowing a lot more yeah. alternate routes. Well, and also – yeah, like I think where there were where there would have been bottlenecks before – uh, those bottlenecks are much more accessible from like a bunch of different places now. So yeah, not bottlenecks. I guess yeah. <laughs> like you say, like this could have been a bottleneck, but be, the way that the map is laid out, it's it's way too wide open to be that way.
0: That being said, um, on certain maps, like people have a tendency just to like run to the same places, and I don't think this mm-hmm. was more apparent anywhere than on Halo Reach's. Um, jeez, I'm forgetting the name of the map that you liked so much. Uh, Sword base, sword base. Yeah, and everyone would go up into that top corner and just kill each other. The top
1: corner where the where the little grav lift was.
0: Yeah, it was super frustrating, especially (laughs) because sometimes you'd be on a winning team, but with some dummies, Uh and you'd have the lead, and they would be hunkered down up there, which was like like the most easily defensible position. And people would just keep running up there and dying, and give them the lead. It's like, what are you guys doing?
1: Yeah, why are are we going? Okay.
0: Then you're forced to follow and die yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, um, this might be the most important one, but, uh, and this is just my, my third and final, but opportunities for fun. Yeah. Be it a ramp that you can drive off of or something explosive that you can shoot at and blow up and have a big explosion and kill someone in a fun, wacky way. And perhaps my all time favorite was a Halo 2 map that had stalactites. Uh huh that you could shoot the stalactites and they would fall. Oh. But it, it took a lot of shooting. It took, you had to like <laughs> unload your entire battle rifle. Uh-huh. And then like, I only ever saw one time MVP at life. <laughs> Jordy was just shooting one of these over and over with no intention. <laughs> yeah. A guy runs up, attempts to kill Jordy. Brings a shield down, Jody's dead, In one more hit, he knocks the slag tight down, and it falls exactly on the guy who's approaching him. <laughs> it was like something out of a movie. Yeah, that's perfect. But, see, that kind of stuff, like, it just gives you an opportunity to, I don't know, have a little bit of fun with the map. Yeah. So those are my my three points for making a fun map.
1: Yeah. What What, what are your top three maps
0: of all time? Um, Midship, maybe? Uh, a Halo map? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There are some really good Counter-Strike maps. Oh, Those are hard to beat. And I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily have a top three because yeah. you burn out on them, you know?
1: Well, I, you know, directly in Halo, I could think of the three maps that I love. Um, yeah. And in order, uh, my favorite map is, is longest from original from original Halo. Right. Um, My second favorite is Blood Gulch or all the Blood Gulch derivatives since then. And my third favorite is Sword Base, and the things that I think—the things that I think make a good Halo map and a good multiplayer map—you um, can really derive from those three areas. So there are tactical points. I actually love that you could that part in Sword Base where there was the grab lift and everybody would go in the corner and kill each other. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. But also, Sword Base is where we had one of our greatest bonding moments as the Jake Conspiracy, uh, hiding. From the other team. like uh, <laughs> true. I think that's one thing I love, in, and, and it goes across all three of these maps, is that there are confined spaces. Yeah, there's nooks and crannies. There's nooks and crannies, but you're within a very controlled space. There's a lot of other maps where I get lost, and I, I can't get my bearings on the space unless I play the map a million times. The uh, Sword Base and Longest and Blood Gulch are maps where you kind of know where you are at all times. Yeah, and then you can use those for tactical advantage. It was the same thing with sword base. You would either, I mean, with longest on the original Halo, you'd either go up top and try to <laughs> shoot people from the top, or you'd hang out back in the two corners uh, where the guns, w- where the grenades would respawn, and just wait right. for people to walk up on you and stick them with grenades. <laughs> um, and then of course blood gold. So I think that I love that I love to have a confined space. I love indoor maps a lot better than outdoor maps. Oh, do you? Yeah. I'm a big, I'm much bigger fan of indoor maps. Because um, like I said, I think you just have that spatial reasoning a little better. And you can kind of figure out where you are. And you can hide in a nook and then a guy will walk across you in a in a, uh, in a hallway and you shoot him. I like that um, because I'm not very good. <laughs> like I don't like being on a giant map that's wide open where everybody could see me. And if I'm shooting one guy, there's four other guys shooting me from the other direction I can't even see. Like yeah. I want to have one-on-one battles. And I think that's what makes a map really fun is when when you're fighting one guy you're really fighting one guy you can and then you can team up with another guy it promotes teamwork because then you can run through together and then you have the advantage when you when you come upon somebody in that environment
0: yeah i i agree i think the those indoor maps tend to uh lend themselves to like important hallways yeah that tend to get fought over and again that's that's one of those strategic points and like Claiming a hallway, which might give you access to a special weapon or something, and
1: then just like those pitched, hard fought battles.
0: Right. And then, <laughs> and and then like one, spaces. And
1: one on one battles, I really like. Yeah. I like opportunities for one on one battles to occur.
0: Yeah. Yeah. that That's pretty rare on the spacious, yeah. large maps. Giant maps. Yeah. You like
1: grab a vehicle and then you immediately get blown up by it's like six people. And then, uh, I don't know. So hopefully, I don't know. I, is did, So you got the Crimson Map Pack?
0: Yeah, I did. It, it, these are actually, they're, they're more outdoors, but they, uh-huh. they're pretty broken up. It's not a, not a ton of wide open spaces. Yeah. And especially one of them has like a lot of going underground into like, like these cavernous areas. And there are like, um, buildings, you know, kind of scattered around. So if you do want to find that area, um, you can go in there and wait for a firefighter or you can just troll around the outside where it's a little, I, I guess it gives you opportunities
1: to uh, play to the style you want to play. Yeah, I, so I, that's good. Yeah, and I and I kind of want to. So for this, the way that I kind of look at it is is a great multiplayer game. One of my favorite multiplayer games of all time, uh, probably number two behind Halo, is Mario Kart. Uh, and the Mario Kart battle system on Mario Kart Mario Kart 64, there were four <laughs> maps, but they were all pretty much the same layout. But each one had a new and different nuance to them Uh uh-huh so uh so you could get in the map you kind of knew your bearings but there were kind of little surprises that you could find along the way and i think that's something that makes blood blood gold such a classic map it's such a map that they have to recreate in every halo game Mm it's so simple it's like our base is here your base (laughs) is there we're gonna go to your base and kill you you're gonna come to our base and kill us and we'll meet each other somewhere in the middle Right, and it's very simple, and I think that maybe Halo is getting a little too far away from that, making their maps a little too complicated to understand. Right when you get in, like, I yeah, think maybe there is definitely a learning curve. Yeah, and, and maybe some more standardized uh, or familiar themes running through maps would be a little better for the player. But whatever, you know, three four three is doing their thing. They're 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 creating their space. And I'm a Halo fogy at this point, so maybe, <laughs> my, maybe my uh, opinion doesn't really matter. But uh, I just, I as as a more casual player, I feel like if the maps were a little more, it's, if it was a little easier to get your bearings in the map. then that, I think breeds a little bit more fun for me. But you're hardcore, yeah. so.
0: Yeah, that's true. I just get in there and roll up my sleeves and go. Yeah, well, and let's figure this out. Yep,
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: And I don't think the. I don't think the maps have been out there long enough for people to really develop these. Um, there's almost like communal strategies that people understand after the game has been out for so long. Yeah. And everyone has so many reps on this map that people kind of know what to do, even if they don't communicate at all. It's just right. kind of like the subconscious thing. And yeah. uh, right now it's still a little bit of a shit show.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, it took. I think it took Sword Base a little while to develop that uh <laughs> To develop what it became, and it became that every time. But, yeah, um, it did become that every time. And every the weird thing thought. about that is, it was a bad strategy. It wasn't <laughs> bad though. Cause sword base was made for Covenant, so if you could play Covenant uh, in Halo Three, if you're playing or in Halo Reach, you could play Covenant. So if you're playing Covenant uh, Sword base, then you could use sticky grenades, and that made that whole area a lot more tactical with sticky yeah. grenades. Anyway, now we're getting a little too geeky, <laughs> getting deep. Uh, so uh, I'm going to move on to our first, our, to our first and only break. Uh, <laughs> and uh, this week we're going to do something a little different. We usually do, uh, we usually do a trivia break, but this week we're going to have a special guest correspondent. This is our good buddy Levi. He's going to give us a uh, a recap from the Beer and Bacon Festival, aka the two of the, my favorite three things in life festival (laughs) in Colorado. Uh, And so he's going to let us know what he tasted, what he loved and what he could do without, frankly. So uh, here, here's Levi.
2: Hey guys, it's Levi, your Rocky mountain correspondent. Um, I wanted to call because I just went to the uh, Denver bacon and beer fest this weekend. And I wanted to give you a rundown on some of the beers I had, Um, maybe some of the things you can look forward to when you guys come out here at the end of January. Um, I tried the uh, AC Golden Brewery Company's uh, Colorado IPL. Um, they're based out of Golden, Colorado. It's probably the least complex beer I had of the weekend. Um, crisp, little hoppy, but it was a good one to start with, um, and I gave it two middle fingers up. I also got to try a very weird beer called the Rocky Mountain Oyster Stout. Um, this was from the Wine Coop Brewery out of Denver, um, and it actually had... If you don't know, uh, uh, bull testicles in it, um, it was a little smoky and I give them an A for uh, creativity, but I don't give them any middle fingers, um, on the beer. It was sort of a middle of the road as far as I'm concerned. Um, I'll try the soul Key. This was a spiced beer. Um, it was a little too multi for my taste. That was out of Trinity Brewing out of Colorado Springs. Um, I'll try the crazy mountain. They're pale ale. Um, to like soap, we won't be getting that one when you guys come down. Um, and then from the Oscar Brewing Company, you know for the Dale's Pale Ale, um, they actually brew right outside of Boulder in the town called Longmont. Scottish style ale, um, it was just the right level of sweetness at the end of sort of this long bacon and beer pairing event. Um, you know, I give it one middle finger up. It was just the right way to kind of end it. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to you guys coming down here and getting to try more of these beers. Um, I'm starting my list and I'm getting ready to show you guys a really good time. So I can't wait to have you guys and the Blue Yonder crew down here. Have a good one.
1: You have a good one, Levi. I feel like Levi's getting a little bit of an accent. You think so? Yeah. I don't know uh, what it is, but like, I feel like everyone in the United States is starting to get like uh, an Aaron accent. <laughs> yeah. Like an Aaron Hubbard accent. Like now, every time I hear somebody on the phone, I just hear Aaron.
0: That's a good, uh, good accent. I it's actually really accent. like
1: the Midwest uh, Coast dude, accent. You hung out with them for like three days at Pax East and you came back talking like Aaron. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's infectious. It is. Uh, so I, uh, so uh, Levi was talking about an event. I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast yet, but we're going to have buy Pax Boulder, Colorado 2013. Um, it's the Blue Yonder Personal Arrogance Expo by Packs, and uh, we're going to play some board games, have some fun. It's going to be at, or at, at, uh, at Levi's apartment in Boulder, and we're going to have live coverage of by Packs. It's coming up the first weekend in February. I'm very excited about it. Oh, there's going to be some drunken podcasting. There's going to be drunken podcasting. There might is, be some... is
0: that Super Bowl weekend?
1: No, it can't be. I think Super Bowl weekend is usually second weekend in February, but I will check right now. Okay. Uh,
0: uh, yeah, I'm really excited to, I want to try that Rocky Mountain oyster stout. When I heard you mentioning that, I thought, because oyster stouts are a real thing, people use oyster juice in, uh, brewing from time to time. I've had it before, um, Epic Ales here in Seattle had a, uh, an oyster sour stout at, uh, Beer Fest. But, so I thought it must have just been there goofing on that with an oyster stout, but actual bull testicles, that's hilarious.
1: Uh, yeah, BiPax weekend is Super Bowl weekend. Well, it'll it's, be a little Super Bowl party too. It's gonna get crazy. <laughs> I, gonna this get crazy. just this just went to eleven. I'm so excited about this.
0: Well, it, no no what it could possibly be? What a Super Bowl lineup, Denver Seattle. You're absolutely
1: correct. It could happen. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> that would
0: be the best. I'm getting so
1: excited. Okay, and we're gonna have the <laughs> we're gonna have the Bypacks Bi- Bi- Bowl. We're actually gonna play football with the guys as well.
0: See, you mentioned that you wanted to do the BiPax Bowl, yeah. and that's, I
1: thought you knew that it was Super Bowl weekend, and that's why, hence the BiPax wall. I had no idea. I don't know if the halftime show uh, person has been announced yet. Um, <laughs> it's going to be Kid Rock. Oh, Beyonce. After his, his it's Beyonce. stellar uh, Thanksgiving Day think, performance. I don't, I don't think so. It's, it's Beyonce. So, I don't know. We could probably miss that and go play football <laughs> for halftime. <laughs> I don't know it'll be on YouTube. Give me a break. All right. Uh so anyway, thank you for the beer suggestions. Thank you Rocky Mountain Correspondent Levi and yes, we will see you in Colorado with Aaron, with Gino, uh with Jim Jones. Uh it's going to be a blast. And uh I can't wait. It's getting it's coming up close. It's like 5 weeks away. Yeah, I need to buy my ticket here. Yeah, me too. Uh all right. <laughs> so uh my my second topic this week is um It's gonna be a, it's gonna be based off of a Twitter feed. Uh huh. Um, I don't know if you, so Jesse, are you a fan of the Seinfeld? The Seinfeld? The Seinfeld? Um, yeah, a casual fan. Casual fan. So, I think a lot of people of, of my generation, uh, they, we've, we've watched Seinfeld, like, I, I can, I can remember it being on the air. Like right. I remember, I friction well. used to be on after Friends, like when Friends first started. Um, and of course we've watched reruns for the past fifteen years now, and it's really weird because I was watching a Seinfeld rerun the other night, and like, it's getting to be kind of dated, but like, yeah, it's definitely getting dated. This is how you know you're getting old is when dated stuff doesn't seem dated to you; it just seems nostalgic. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know. That's when you really know. Right. That you're getting old. Um but there's this awesome Twitter feed. This was uh this was uh, sent to us by a friend of the show, Christian Powers. Uh that is his real name. Um and he sent us mo he sent us Modern Seinfeld, which is a Twitter feed, it's at Seinfeld today. And Jesse, I know that you know that I love to pitch movie ideas, television ideas, miniseries ideas. I love to do that. And that's all that this site does is It basically says if Seinfeld was around today, what would the episodes be interesting and I kind of want to just go through a few of these see if any of them tickle your fancy see if we can maybe flesh out some of these ideas because uh, they're pretty great um, and in fact, one new tweet has already came already come by by the time I, I clicked on it here um, so this is a, this is the most recent one um, Elaine rejects Putty's Jumbotron proposal, Jerry dumps his girlfriend, Eliza Coop, because she works out a lot and her strength intimidates him. <laughs> uh, this one, Jerry and Elaine get lost on the way to Ikea. Kramer <laughs> discovers Pop, pro, pomegranates? Pomegranates? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, Pomegranates. <laughs> Apparently, I discovered them, too. Uh, (laughs) And George's girlfriend dumps him for refusing to eat kale.
0: (laughs) I do like that one. We'll work this one out. Okay. So the first one's getting lost on the way to Ikea. Jerry
1: and Elaine get lost on the way to Ikea. I was thinking that Jerry and Elaine should get lost in Ikea. Lost in in Ikea. I agree. And it's a Chinese restaurant episode where the whole episode takes place in Ikea.
3: Have you ever?
0: Re-
1: <laughs> I like it. See, that's that's more Seinfeldy. It is. So like they get lost originally, and then they call Kramer to come get them because they can't get out. But uh-huh. George is already there with his girlfriend because they're mm-hmm. moving in together, mm-hmm. and they have to get furniture together. But he doesn't really want to move in with her, but he can't break up with her. Right. So he's he's trying to he's
0: trying to get her to dump him. By his awful selection. Yeah, by his
1: awful taste. But she actually loves everything (laughs) that he hates. Including a race car bed?
0: Yes. (laughs) Who would date a grown man who sleeps in a race car bed by choice? (laughs) I love it. Okay. And, okay, so the kale.
1: Yeah. So Cranley discovers pomegranates and George dumps him for refusing to eat kale. I mean, George's, George's, uh, George's excuse for not eating kale would just be like, eh, it's kind of seaweedy. Like, you wouldn't, there wouldn't <laughs> be a, there wouldn't be a really good reason for him to not eat it, but he won't even try it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it looks like seaweed. Right. And I could just see him talking to Jerry in the apartment. So what? You eat kale!
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a plant! You don't even, it doesn't even look like that. We, we blend it into a shake! <laughs> So now it looks like sea foam.
1: <laughs> I
0: love. <laughs> see, I personally, I you love. you eat- can just throw some pomegranates in there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, you got to eat pomegranates. <laughs> uh, see, I personally, I love eating kale because it makes me feel like a primate. It makes me uh-huh. feel like I am the omnivore that I, evolution said I should be. Because I feel like it's like a real plant. Like, lettuce is not a real plant. Lettuce is on McDonald's hamburgers. That's not a real plant. Uh-huh. Kale, on the other hand, you eat that shit and it is, it feels like a real plant.
0: Yeah, it's something that like brontosaurus has ate.
1: Right. Like you feel like you're eating a leaf. That's why I love like <laughs> those spinach, uh, those spinach, uh, things you could buy at Whole Foods. It's like, I feel like this is like real leaves. Uh uh-huh. Anyway, do you want to move on to another one here? Yeah, let's do it. Um, George accidentally sends a reply-all email in an attempt to get fired that's accidentally in quotation marks. Uh, Mm -hmm. He is promptly promoted for his gutsy attitude. (laughs) 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 I love that. And then he finds out that all of his, like, he sends out, like, a very, uh, like, like, something like sexual harassment he would get totally fired for. And then he finds out everyone he works for is huge chauvinists. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, he ends up getting the key to the executive bathroom,
1: exactly. So he doesn't want he doesn't want to give that up. And then the executive bathroom is like the is like the bathroom at the Maple Leaf Tavern. It's just <laughs> wallpapered in porn. But so yeah, so then he has to uh,
0: pretend to be over the top chauvinistic. Right. But right. the the people start to believe uh, suspect he doesn't actually
1: believe that way. I love it. He uh, he. Oh, no, this is what happens. Okay, so the, the head of the company dies. His daughter inherits the company. So it now is. he's been promoted to the board of directors. So he's on the board of directors with all of these chauvinist guys, and now a woman is the head of the board of directors. So he has to act chauvinist around all the guys, but he obviously can't act chauvinist around her. And uh-huh. then he's, But he's totally putting on an act, but then he's acting very chauvinist, and then she shows up without him knowing it. He keeps going, and then he gets fired.
0: Oh, I like it. There could be a, also there could be a scene where uh, uh George and Elaine are going to the diner uh-huh. and uh he he's holding the door open for her, but then sees one of the uh the board members walking down the street and <laughs> promptly slams it in her face.
2: Oh.
1: I yeah. love this show. Why isn't this show still on? <laughs> it
0: was on for like
1: twelve years. Uh, all right, we'll do one more. This is fun though. Yeah, I like it. Um <laughs> Apparently, we're only qualified to come up with Seinfeld plots. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Here we go. Uh, Here we go. George Tripps accidentally groped someone on the train, and a video of it goes viral. Elaine gets a job writing menu copy for Guy Fieri. Let's do one more. Uh, George's new beautiful girlfriend breaks up with him after he calls burlesque stripping for ugly girls, not knowing she's a burlesque dancer. Mm. I don't know about that one. Uh George gives Derek Jeter fitness advice. Jeter gains fifty pounds. Kramer starts selling pot-baked goods, has to deal with the scary baker slash dealer. Uh and then let's do one more here. Kramer becomes a bookie that takes bets on American Idol. Jerry's parents' visit gets stuck in Brooklyn when the L trade shuts down. I love this whole thing. This just makes me nostalgic for Seinfeld. I just wish it was still on. Well, uh, there's always
0: Louie. That's, like, the same thing.
1: Louie is. See, that's the thing. Is like, the 2000s really made everything so gritty. Like, I think people are going to look back on the 90s, and it's just the roaring 90s, baby. Like, people were wearing neon, tight pants, baggy shirts. Let's do it. High Mom top jeans. sneakers. We look ridiculous, but we are fucking rolling right now. <laughs> like, the Backstreet Boys are happening. <laughs> like, I don't, under- I don't understand. It's crazy. The 90s ruled, and then the 2000s came along, and... Something <sighs> happened. Yeah, something happened. I'm not sure. But then all of a sudden, Jason Bourne has dictated our culture. <laughs> so, like, even Louie has to be like gritty. <laughs> like, our side felt has to be like the grittiest thing possible. Can we make it any more gritty? Yeah. You know,
0: uh, it, it history kind of comes and goes in like cycles. Yeah. And I, think this, I think the gritty cycle might be coming to an end and we'll be co- going back to like the campy, happy go lucky. like... No,
1: no, no. Now we're going straight lace, baby. So, like, we had. <laughs> We had all documentaries. Well, this is what happened. So we had the Roaring Twenties, right? Uh-huh. Then we had the Thirties, the Depression. Welcome to mm-hmm. now, right? <laughs> then we have the Forties, World War Two, mm-hmm. uh, patriotism, togetherness. Then we have the Fifties, straight laced, nuclear families. Then we have the Sixties, rebellious time. And then the Seventies, disco. Eighties, mm, right? More depression, but with disco. 90s, roaring 90s again. So we're quite a far away, but by the time... When we're old fogies, it's going to be awesome again. Yeah, we'll it's be able be awesome. to enjoy it. <sighs> oh, so that, that explains
0: why hipsters are just dressing like grandmas. Exactly. They're so hip to the next trend, which is wholesomeness. Wholesome, baby. Yeah. Wholesome well, with leggings. Let's do it. I'm going to learn how to cross-stitch. All right. Get uh, through this thing.
1: <laughs> Jesse, what's your second topic?
0: Uh, well, speaking of, uh, history and, uh, the cyclical nature of it, this subject I call, um, the dead red revival question mark. Uh-huh. So, um, in May, Vladimir Putin was elected to his third term as president of Russia. Mm-hmm. And, uh, recently he delivered his first speech, which seems like a long time. I guess he just got in the Kremlin and hunkered down. And he had, he had some, he, He's, he has an interesting tone. Um, he said, quote, how can we trust an official who speaks loudly about the good of Russia, but tries to bring his funds, his money overseas? And, uh, to this, um, the officials in the audience began to clap and he gave a little smile and said, don't hurry to applaud. You may not all like this. Huh. So he said a weird tone and, yeah. uh, he was basically talking about, Reform that he wants to do. And it, it sounds like he's, he's clamping down on the government a little bit more, tightening it up. And this, this can coincides with a couple of things that he's implemented. So, uh, back when he got his first term, I didn't, I didn't know this, but he changed the national anthem to a new one that was inspired by the old Soviet national anthem. Oh, okay. And he's brought back the military parades. You know, Uh that you always see, like, the missiles going by the Kremlin and stuff. And now he's bringing back uh, lapels for what's called the Hero of Labor,
1: Hmm.
0: which is a Soviet-era honor that they would give to uh, certain people for basically doing a good job and working hard or whatever. And that's been gone since the Soviet Union, and he's bringing it back. Huh. So it could be the first of as many of such awards that uh were, were commonplace during the Soviet Union. So essentially what he's doing is he's bringing it back to the USSR. Back in the USSR. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, oh, uh, well, oh, uh, well, oh, uh, well, the Ukraine girls really knocked me out. They leave the West behind. And Moscow girls make me sing and shout that Georgia's always on my my. Yeah, come anyway. on! All right,
0: so I'm okay with this. I'm okay with it too. You know, I'm a Soviet file. Something about it: the imagery, <laughs> the the red flags, and like the crazy. The, I mean, the rhetoric. Yeah,
1: the, and uh, the red the rhetoric.
0: The rhetoric, mm. and, uh, it sounds like they're posturing themselves to become the classic villain of the United States that I think we've been longing for since
1: 1991. Romney tried it. <laughs> Romney said that they were our number one geopolitical foe.
0: <laughs> That's true. I mean, he was onto something. Yeah. That, that was a, that was a smart young kid. Whatever happened to him? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I, this is really interesting. I mean, the thing about, uh, the thing about, the Soviet Union, too, is, like, the Cold War is so interesting because it's crazy. It's, it's fucking crazy. The Cold War is, is nuts, dude. Like, the the you could say that the Korean War and the Vietnam War are just, like, tiny snippets of this Cold War. Right. You know? Proxy war. They're proxy wars of the Cold War. Right. And, like, the war, the Soviet-Afghan uh, War is, like, also a piece of this. Yeah, and, and same
0: with the Arab-Israeli War, one of those. Yeah,
1: and the, and the current state of the Middle East has a huge stake in the Cold War. Yeah. And, like, Germany used to be two countries. Like, <laughs> this is, it's fucking nuts, dude. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh. And and then in the Bay of Pigs, I mean, there's just so many things. There's just so many weird aspects about it that you can't really wrap your head around. Mm-hmm. And
0: and it was a just, very, very complex thing. Yeah. Especially because it's not a war in the way we normally think about wars. Yeah,
1: and then like Khrushchev goes to Disneyland? Like what like what? <laughs> what? Like that is crazy.
0: Uh you know, I was thinking about this the other day. One of the, the weirdest and most glossed over things of World War Two history, like traditionally we think what what got World War Two started? Okay, it was the Nazis invaded Poland. Right. So, and you know, France and England were ba- basically said, "We're not going to let you do that. We're going to defend Poland." Blah blah blah.
1: Right. Okay. Uh Six well, years and later, there, and there's a so, the dust... much larger. Like they were, they were. Yes, they they invaded Poland, but they were looking to dominate Europe. Is that is that right. in, is that inaccurate? No.
0: It well, no, that's that's totally accurate. Okay. But that I mean, that's Pol- Poland was
1: Poland we'd... was the low hanging fruit in that situation.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's what we think of. Like, that's what's, that's what kicked it off. Right, right. Kicked off World War Yeah, And then, you know, fast forward six years later, the dust settles. Uh, what, what happened to Poland?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I guess Russia has it now? Ah, screw it.
1: Yeah. Well, now we have a wall. <laughs> yeah, build a wall. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Poland. We did the best we could. It's really strange. I mean, the idea of, I did, uh, so when I was in high school, I did a, uh, what was that history? What was that history thing that they made us do? History like, Day. History Day. Yeah, I did a documentary about the uh, House and Americans' Activity Committee and uh, Joe McCarthy and McCarthyism and uh, the Hollywood blacklist and like all this stuff. And I showed my documentary, and there was this guy in the room. there's a history teacher in the room judging the documentary. Crosses his arms, and he looks at me, and he goes, "So what's the deal with uh why why uh." Why were we allies with the Soviets during World War II and then we were suddenly enemies with them? And, like, I, could, I literally couldn't answer his question because I was, like, like I was, I was naive. I was 16 years old. But I was, like, we weren't allies with the Soviets. We were just fighting. We had a common enemy. It's, like, the enemy of yeah. the enemy is my friend. But they we're not allies with them. Like, it's – they weren't part of the allied forces. They well, were, there, they're, they
0: they're, were part of the allied forces.
1: Not in nece- not in like the, the conventional sense.
0: Technically they were, but it, it was a
1: marriage of convenience. Right. It's not, and, and there was incredible suspicion on both sides. Like it wasn't, yeah. uh, it wasn't like, hey, we're just, it's, it's an enemy, the enemy is my friend type of situation.
0: Yeah. And it's not like we were, you know, joining forces in battle and being right. like, you go, you take the left flank, we'll take the right flank. I mean, definitely did that with the British, like all the Commonwealth. Right. Canada, um, but yeah, but not so much, Not so much the Russians.
1: I don't know. It just blows my mind. The whole relationship with Russia throughout history, it's, it sounds very, uh, it sounds very insensitive and it probably is, but I kind of wish we had like, a, like, a, it's weird to me to think of, of a world where the Soviet union is this like looming enemy. It's weird. <laughs> it's really weird. And like, it would be interesting to, to just experience that for a little while.
0: Yeah, you, the I, only thing- I think so. I And I think it actually does have a stabilizing effect on the world. Yeah. It, 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 having these two polarities and then uh, kind of a struggle over the states, especially if, if there was a Soviet Union that was this big, you know, expansionist country with these overarching uh, geopolitical goals, but they were also built on morality and, like, human rights issues. That would be awesome.
1: That would be crazy.
0: Because but- then there would be, like, Two giant entities who are playing by all the rules but, you know, more li- rivals than enemies.
1: Well, I mean, that's the crazy thing about it is you have this – you have Russia, which is a uh, democracy in quotation marks.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: it's its going back to its Soviet roots. You have the European Union, which is in a state of unrest right now because of places like Greece and the the Abyssin Peninsula. uh Bringing down the economy and the Germany standing there being like, guys, we covered our shit. You, I I don't understand why I have to, (laughs) why I have to help you. Uh, so, but I mean, if that broke down and like, say the European Union comes up as its own country, it would be a socialist country, you know, right? In, In terms of like, in an idea of European socialism, not Soviet socialism. Yeah. Uh, and then you have the United States, which has this like socialism backlash, but at the same time, is, uh, allowing certain, uh, social programs to proliferate within its borders. Right. With a fierce opposition. I don't, it's very, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting time. And then you just have China too, which is the wild card in all this.
0: Yeah, that's true. There would be these like four supermassive, uh, political entities with. Yeah. It's definitely like, different ideologies. It's exactly what's happening with the
1: BCS. You have the SEC, the Big Ten, <laughs> Big 12 is dissolving. The Pac-12 is becoming is probably going to become bigger. And then you have the Big East. You're going to have four super conferences, and they all have different philosophies. Everybody thinks the SEC is the best, but everybody knows the Pac-12 is the best. <laughs> you lost me. Anyway, never mind. Uh, yeah, but uh, I I think I also think, uh, just, just to touch on this briefly, is I think it's very interesting that the only way our generation... Can experience the Cold War is through popular culture. And I think maybe that's why we have this, like, kind of probably not well, uh, <laughs> well guided, uh, romantic view of it is because it's such a huge part of, like, James Bond and, like, yeah. uh, Red Dawn and, yeah. uh, and war I games. Think. And, like, I was like, you know, is this be neat to, like, have this looming, uh, this looming threat that's not, that doesn't ever really attack us? But, uh, but they're, but they're great for popular culture. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah, but it really, it might not be so great.
1: It really (laughs) probably isn't great at all.
0: It means increased military spending and these getting drawn into
1: these long proxy wars that are winless and And military uh, drafts and mm -hmm. yeah, it probably is pretty terrible actually.
0: Yeah. But some, uh, good movies. Good movies. (laughs) Good move. So there you have it. We'll see. Um, <laughs> there's definitely a strong pro-democracy segment in Russia still. So, yeah. yeah. Who knows? Who knows what'll happen to old Pooty Poo, as, uh, George Bush, Bush used to call him.
1: Little Pooty. All right. Well, uh, I want to let everybody know how you can get in touch with us. Like I said before, you can give us a call, leave us a voicemail. 360-362-0024. You can, uh, you can write us an email, arrogance at com. You can also find us on our Facebook page. Uh, we have a bald move Facebook page. We're on there. We have our personal arrogance Facebook page. We're also on there. Um, a couple of people, uh, we want always like to shout out all the people who like our Facebook page. Uh, and so we have to give a shout out to Matt, Matt Adelsberger and Christy Johnson, along with Dennis Kleinbeck and Bill Hall and Ben Hall, who was one of our shout outs last week. Uh, appreciate y'all for liking us this week. And, uh, and then you can also follow us at personal podcast and, uh, please also follow modern Seinfeld at Seinfeld (laughs) today. Uh, so Jesse, uh, what's your first recommendation?
0: Uh, well, we said it up front and I'll say it again. The because show, Mm -hmm. uh, listen to one, only listened to one episode so far, but I liked it and uh,
1: I'm going to go
0: experience the back catalog.
1: Love that bald move. Yep. Love that bald move, baby. Uh, My first uh, recommendation this week is the Drive to Work podcast with Mark Rosewater. Jesse? Yeah? So I've just gone through this giant wedding planning process. Right. Um, And really the last three months were pretty hardcore wedding planning, right? So now I'm completely devoid of this uh, in my life (laughs) uh, now that the wedding is done. And so I'm starting to revert back to Magic the Gathering. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> because it's so planning-centric. I really do. I was talking to Jordy when he was here, Jordy and Jill, and I was like, oh, my God, now I realize why I'm starting to get back in the magic. Because, like, this, is whole, this whole planning thing is happening. But anyway, Mark Rosewater. So would you say
0: your, your wedding went off like a well-planned magic deck perfectly clicking in tournament?
1: It just kept clicking, baby. Nice. Uh... And uh, so this is uh, the Drive to Work podcast with Mark Rosewater. Mark Rosewater is the lead designer uh, for Magic the Gathering. He, he's the he's the head guy who designs all of the sets. He's been at Magic for 17 years. And now he's doing a podcast where he drives to work and talks about a new set or a new mechanic every time. If you like Magic, uh, even just a little bit, if you don't know about all the sets, this is a perfect podcast to listen to. Because he goes through all the sets, talks about all the mechanics, where they came from, how they're developed. It's really interesting. The audio quality huh. is terrible. But if you can <laughs> overlook that, he's in his car driving the work from Issaquah uh-huh. to Retin, and uh, just talking about making magic sets. And I love it, man. I, I, there are only 30-minute episodes. I poured through every single episode in about two days.
0: Wow. So I'm going to have to listen to that.
1: It's really great. It's really, really great. If you like magic... Do the Drive to Work podcast with Mark Rosewater. What's your segmentation this week, j Um Yeah, I just, I just subscribed to it, by the way. Monday
0: Night Football
1: in America. Mm-hmm. The Sunday Night Football is like kind of the new Monday Night because Monday Night Football moved to ESPN. Sunday Night Football is now on NBC. So it's like the national televised game, and it's the only game on at that time, and it's nationally televised to everyone. Um, uh, Seattle Super Seahawks are playing division rival. It's Sunday night, December 23rd early Christmas present. It's going to be a great game and it's in Seattle. We had our yeah. Monday night game against the the Green Bay Packers which was a rip-roar and controversial affair. Uh <laughs> and hopefully this this offers just as much excitement.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. That's going to be a big game. So if you if if you uh if you like football, watch the game and mm-hmm. give
1: Seattle a little love. Do it. Uh and then uh, my recommendation this week is going to be a couple of shows on Netflix. Check them out. Call it the Judd Apatow Collection, Freaks and Geeks and Undeclared. I already poured through Freaks and Geeks in like the last week. Now I'm uh, halfway through Undeclared. Love both of these shows. Short lived, much loved. And uh if you got some time to kill, if you got forty one minutes to kill, watch Freaks and Geeks. If you got twenty-three <laughs> minutes to kill, watch Undeclared. There you go. Best of both worlds. As much Seth Rogen and Jason Siegel as you can drink in. <laughs> not not a lot for me. <laughs> Well, if you like it, love it. Yeah, there um, you go. I also apologize uh, to anyone for uh, for any tangents I might have gone on or anything. Jordy brought me this beer, and it's really good beer. Oh, are you feeling it? I've been feeling it for about 45 minutes. <laughs> oh, it's all right, man. <laughs> yeah, man. But anyway, uh, I'd also like to commemorate this. This is now the longest personal arrogance podcast in history. So thank you for sticking with us. Listening to us and in uh, rating and reviewing us on iTunes. And uh, I think that's about it. You got anything else, i Doug? I'm, I'm good. Let's, let's put a bow on it. Call it Christmas. All righty. Well, as you know, we finish every episode reminding you that wherever you go. And whatever you do. Please stay, stay arrogant. arrogant.